Broadcast belongs to them. You do that very good. I could probably do that too. I have a cold. This broadcast belongs to them. That's not bad. But I was going to say, I've also been smoking for 15 years, so. (laughs) That helps. That does help. Uh, What the hell's that? Blue. Mountain Dew Voltage, the blue one. Nice. Yuck. You know that uh, reduces your sperm count, Mountain Dew. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's ever true, because I have heard that like the longest. Um, time. it's it's not all Mountain Dew. It's the dye that they use yeah. in regular Mountain Dew that makes it that yellow color. And it is true, but um, I don't know that it's like some epidemic level of killing <laughs> off your sperm. Perhaps over time, if you drank excessive amounts of it for years and years. Yeah. Well, this is a weird way to start off a King Diamond uh, podcast, but hey, (laughs) King Diamond must not be drinking it because he's got a child now and he's, what, like 60 years old, so he doesn't drink the Mountain Dew. Anyway. Well, you never know. His mission was to destroy aliens, so perhaps he uh, confiscated (laughs) some technology there. That is true. (laughs) All right, so... Um, thank you very much to uh, Ib and Mark for the last uh, three episodes that we've had on. And yes. um, now we're up to the Bretts. Now, the Bretts started out without King Diamond, right? They were a yep. punk band or something, right? They were a punk band that started off with Michael Denner and Hank Sherman, who at the time, Sherman was still going by his original last name, which I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, I think it's like Alevsky or something weird. No, that sounds Russian. It starts with an O, and there's an L and a Y and a K in it. I promise you that. But um, <laughs> in any event, yeah. So they started off as a uh, punk ba- punk band with some metal tendencies, and um, they had a vocalist named Eves, and they cut an album for I want to say CBS Records, and. They recorded the second one, CBS uh, denied it, or rejected it, I suppose would be the better word, and said, nope, we want you guys to go more commercial, and uh, the bass player and the vocalist didn't want to deal with it, and they left, and Michael Denner actually left. 
at that point in time, and then he would come back in later when they uh, got ready to form Merciful Fate. But when King came in as vocalist, he said, you know, I absolutely refuse to sing punk rock. I want to move away from that. And you can really hear the beginnings of Merciful Fate here. But um, some of this stuff does still have a little bit of a punky vibe to it. Yeah, a little bit. I didn't hear the um, the first album. I should have actually listened to that first, I guess. Just to see what difference it was, you know. But, um, yeah, no, nah, this is very close to Merciful Fate, actually, because half of this song, more than half of the songs, really, turned into Merciful Fate Merciful songs. Merciful Fate songs. Yes, they did. Which was, uh, which was funny. Um, let's see. Uh, this, this thing, you sent me this, this copy of this uh, demo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's labeled as a demo because it's really just a band practice, basically. Yeah, that's really all it is. Yeah. I guess that's what they called demos uh, back then. Well, I mean, that's what a lot of demos would be. They would record yeah. a band practice and they would pick what they thought would be best and they'd put it out as a tape to true. get them out there. And um, I, I think here maybe, you know, they threw it together too. Damn it. What happened? Uh, I knocked the charging cord loose a little bit. Now I have to edit that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, if I didn't take care of it, I just wouldn't have come back on. So You're already on. You never left. Oh, really? Everything yeah. went black on my end. Anyway, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. <laughs> now I can't remember what I was saying. Uh, with the demos, uh, with the, uh, Oh, oh, right. Yeah. So a lot of the times I think they would just record the band practice and put it out like that because there's a lot of demo tapes I have where unless it's a demo, they were specifically shopping to a studio. It's just Mm -hmm. band practices. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you know, another thing I noticed too, like this is a band practice and so was the black rose thing and the black rose thing sounded like a real demo. You know, yeah. you well, think King would have thought to use those two microphones and, you know, placed it in the same spots and stuff like that when they did the Black Rose thing. True. And then, well, you know, and then that was also mastered for CD. This is made from That's true. God knows how many generations oh, that yeah. tape copy was that I had. And Hank's original or Hank's birth name is Rene Cromark. Oh, really? I didn't never know that. Any reason why he took uh, the name Hank? I have no idea. Interesting. Probably should have asked Michael. <laughs> yeah, well, because I, I would have, but I didn't know. Yeah. You just brought that up now. Um, I had forgotten about it until I was reading over some of the liner notes again for uh, this stuff. Oh, there's because... liner notes with the uh, demo thing? Well, not with this demo and not with the album 1980, but they released a compilation called The Lost Tapes, Copenhagen 1979, which is the second album they cut and then CBS rejected. Basically what directly led to people leaving and King Diamond coming in the band. (laughs) Interesting. All right. Well, um, so who was actually in this band? So it was Hank and then Michael Denner was still in this band, right? He did come back well, with my, King in the band? 
No, Michael Denner didn't come back into the fold until they had already changed their name to Danger Zone. I forget what band he was playing with or or if he was playing with a band. He says it during the interview, what he was up to. But um, a guy named Karsten Vander Volsing, Van Helsing, something (laughs) like that, plays guitar on this demo. And he was only in the band for about a year. Interesting, because it sounds like it's Michael Denner and and Hank in here. It's funny. Who's playing bass? Do you know some random guy? Um, Turner. Oh, that's right. Um, Jens, the original vocalist, he went to just playing bass. Oh yeah, that's right. When yeah. King came in, yeah. Okay. Yep. I remember. Now I remember reading about that. Yep. Very cool. Well, um, this demo. Starts off with Death Kiss, and this is actually on the um, the uh, Return of the Vampire uh, album. Yeah, and they use it as a bonus track on the remaster of uh, right. Don't Break the Oath. However, while it is the same song, um, I believe the version of Death Kiss they use on both of those are actually from the Danger Zone slash Merciful Fate demos. Oh, okay. Partially because it kind of sounds like a different take, and the sound quality is also better than this oh, particular yeah. recording. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you uh, ever heard of A Dangerous Meeting, it used to be called Death Kiss. Because they're basically, you know, the same songs, got the same same music. Um, the only thing that's different really about it is, um, I guess, like the guitar solo part. And obviously the lyrics are all completely different. Yeah, guitar solo part's a little bit different. This ver- this particular version's a little bit punkier, which is just, I'm assuming, you know, a leftover of them transitioning out of being a punk rock band. Right. Not that it makes it sound bad, it's just a different dimension to it. Right, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. it obviously, the same chords as, as a dangerous meeting and everything, but uh, even yeah. the same um, structure, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, slightly, like you said, a little bit punkier. Not too far off. Do you like this yeah. uh, version? I like it. I like the Death Kiss version. I think it's cool. Um, I like the energy they have on this demo. Yeah. Yeah, it's... A, you know, as a, the, the demo as a whole, to me, it's cool, because you get to hear the beginnings of a lot of the Merciful Fate stuff. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Obviously, with the drummer, you're missing Kim Ruz's uh, drums, uh, the way, you know, his drumming style. Well, and that's kind of how I feel about it, too. It's more of a neat kind of historical release to see how the songs formed and the band formed as time went on, rather than something I'd be like, oh, yeah, I really want to hear, you know, Love Criminals instead of Into the Coven, which I don't. But <laughs> it's cool to hear how it came about. Right, yeah. yeah. And King actually, um, you know, he, how long of it was it before he he did this from Black Rose? Was it like a year or two? Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, I think it was 80, right? It was the yeah, um, yeah. Black Rose it thing. Yeah, said Black Rose ended in 80. Yeah. And this was 81, so yeah, yep. a year. So he did, I guess, kind of improve a little bit more in that year. Mm-hmm. You know, he he yeah. did started getting his uh his typical merciful fate, you know, vocal kind of 
Yeah, and you can hear it real well on uh, Fighting for the Knighthood's a pretty good example. That's a pretty long, epic song, and you can hear him doing different stuff vocally. I know, that's why I mentioned that one (laughs) instead of a different one. (laughs) Yeah, Fighting for the Knighthood is uh, track two off this demo. Um, This is... um, Very uh, deep purplish song. Yeah. Almost a throwback to the Black Rose days. This um this song don't don't have anything to do with any Merciful Fate song, does it? Now, a couple of the chords sounded similar in certain parts of the song, but I can't place them. Um, so I really don't think it does. I think what I'm hearing in it is just you know they already Hank at least had started to develop that Merciful Fate sound already by this point, and yeah. you know that's very distinctive and. Just because it has that guitar sound, it might mm-hmm. be making me falsely remember. Because I listened to all of Melissa and Don't Break the Oath earlier, and I couldn't find what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, I don't hear anything from those two albums in this one. Not even from the EP or anything on this song at all. <laughs> no. At first, I thought it might be a uh, different version of, or an early version of Corpse Without Soul from the EP. Okay. But, um... Yeah. It it isn't. Mm. It's just uh, has a similar structure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a little basic for me though. You know, uh, kind of glad they didn't use this song somewhere else. No. Mm. Yeah, me neither. Because uh, it doesn't really do I, anything. It was a wise cut. It's a little overly long. And... Yeah. Yeah. So you're not missing much on this one. Nope. Nope. Uh, third song, Love Criminal, Love Criminals. Yep, Sorry. which would later become Into the Coven, and right. musically, it's really basically almost finished here. I mean, they're, you know, you don't have Denner on guitar, so the leads and all that don't quite sound right. right, and the solos are different, but it's basically Into the Coven already with different lyrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could tell that um, some parts that the band wasn't too sure. You know about mm-hmm. you know because there's some like weird uh, changes and things like that. You can tell that they uh, you know it's still kind of new to them. You know, you can tell that on a couple of the songs here, especially the yeah. longer ones like this one and uh, sometimes you're deadly and the one before this fighting for the knighthood. Uh, you know, it kind of sounds like they're trying to do a jam, but they're not really sure what to do next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I'd be listening, and all of a sudden I hear the drummer like kind of stopping almost, and then, then catching up again. It's kind of funny. Um, the slowdown part in the middle is a little different, because you know the song pretty much like you said is all the same. But um, yeah, that slowdown part's a little different as far as the drums go. Whereas um, you know how they just they're just well, kind of like an atmosphere kind of sound. Yeah, the the bridge the bridge is different. Right. Yeah, yeah. and and it's longer. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but, uh, yeah, they, it's more focused on building atmosphere, like you said, it seems like. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's also probably what makes this eight minutes long instead of the fall. It's cool to hear, um, you know, a a different take on, on something that you, you actually, you know, uh, 
that they fi- you know finalized on one of the albums, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. No, I love it for that reason. That's the same reason, you know, I've gotten the uh the deluxe sets of Death's first couple albums. I love hearing how the songs on Screen Bloody Gore started off and became yeah. what they did. Same thing with this. I like it when it's because uh, you know, sometimes you'll get like things like that, and it'll be basically exactly the same, you know. Yeah. And but like something like this, there are differences, you know, especially like lyric wise. I mean, lyrics, forget it. It's not even the same. I don't even know what some of these lyrics are about. Do you know? No. Um, the like only that? one I could even find lyrics for online was "Death Kiss." I. Mm. I don't know if anybody knows besides King Diamond at this point. Mm. Maybe Lars Ulrich, if the lyrics came with some of the demo tapes he still has, but oh, that's true. We'll have to get him. We'll have to get him on the show. <laughs> you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Should be an easy get. I mean, they're not doing nothing right now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It I don't is. know. Maybe we'll have to talk to Pat. That's true. Actually, yeah. I did talk to Pat, and if you haven't watched Pat's show. Pat, uh, Pat Scott. Pat Scott. Go check out Pat Scott's uh, episode. Uh, what's next here? Combat Zone. Uh, here's another song that uh, I don't think any parts were used for any other Merciful Fate song. No, but this is another one where it's got a real heavy driving riff and it's kind of shorter and punchy and it sounds like it could be Black Funeral, but it isn't. Right. <laughs> It's funny listening to these things, I'm, especially the songs that that we don't know, that are other songs already, like like fighting for the knighthood in this one, uh, combat zone. I'm I'm sitting listening to see if I can hear anything from any other song. Like yeah. I'm intently listening. I'm like, there's got to be something, but there, there isn't. <laughs> yeah. Now this song in particular, though, like uh, you know the other ones that didn't make it become something better or different uh, I'm not really too crazy about but uh, I like this track it's heavy it's got a cool rhythm to it I really think it could have turned into a good merciful fate song but it didn't unfortunately alright next up we have uh, Night Riders this one of course um, became Curse of the Pharaohs yes yes it did and Very, you can tell as soon as that opening riff starts. Yeah. Actually, that's the first, um, I believe that's the first Merciful Fate song I've heard. Not actually when it was, you know, released, but like back in like 1990, 91 or whatever. Ooh, I'm trying to think. That's a... Because I actually didn't know about Merciful Fate. I only knew about King Diamond. Um... And, then, and then when I heard Curse of the Pharaohs, I'm like, holy shit, that's the same guy. Yeah, I'm trying to... That's funny, because I heard Merciful Fate first, but I'm trying to remember what song it was that was on this compilation I had. Oh, it was Doomed by the Living Dead. That was the first Merciful Fate song I ever heard. Was that on a compilation? Like a real compilation, or a mixtape? One of those, you know, dime a dozen metal ones they did in the 80s, like Metal Killers, or Metal Hits Hard. (laughs) Actually... I got... Hold on a minute. You know that, um... Oh, God, what the hell is that? Music for Nations? Yeah. I got that record in a yard sale about a month ago. Where the hell did it go? Oh, here it is. Yeah, that's awesome, man. 
Yeah, I got this here. And um, it was hidden. It was in this weird, weird house. And these people, they used to have like a, a thrift shop or whatever. And um, they were going out of business. And then I guess they brought all the stuff to their house or whatever. So I'm looking through. The house was a, a total disaster. And they had records. And I just happened to go through the records. And this was the only metal thing that they had there. And I said, holy shit. I've seen that cover before. So I got to get yeah. it. And then I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, shit, Merciful Fate's on there. So definitely I have to get it. So I thought it was cool. And then they got the little picture, you know, the old school picture of them. Ah, right there. That's cool. That is a really cool picture, I thought. And what song is on here? Black Funeral is on this. So I thought that was pretty cool. Got it for $2. Can't beat that. No, you can't. I mean, they're not super <clears throat> expensive, but they still go for like 15 bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, and there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that record either. That's rare to find, too. A record that doesn't have any skips or whatever on it. But anyway. Yeah. I got some nice ones in the mail today. But... That's a different show. Yeah. Does it have to do with Merciful Fate or King Diamond? No. I have some King Diamond stuff in the back behind me that I got today. I'll show what? you later. Uh, I'll show you later. It's back there. All right. All right. Back to Night Riders. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's interesting, too, is, you know, uh, so this becomes Curse of the Pharaohs, obviously, which is about, you know, uh, robbing a a pharaoh's tomb. And um, this is one of the few songs where I can actually make out some of his vocals. And it sounds like it was always about grave robbing. It just got Egyptian as time went on. (laughs) I I can't hear any of the vocals. But uh, most noticeably, because obviously I play drums, the drums are t- completely played different. They're more of like that, uh, like the disco type. Oh, wait, no, that's the wrong song I'm thinking of. No, that is this song. Yes, it is this song, because actually they do it on another song, too. But he's got that like kind of thing going on. Mm, as a opposed, little bit. As opposed drums are kind of hard to hear, honestly. Uh, they, You know what it is? My ears go right to that shit. Yeah. So I just I always hear it, but yeah, coming from like the the final version with Kim Rose playing, this you know it it doesn't sound the same that way. Which is for most of these songs, like the guitars and stuff are the same, lyrics are different, drums are different, because mm-hmm. you got a completely different drummer. Now, was this the same drummer from the first Bratz album, or is this a completely yeah? Guy? Oh, yeah. So that's why it's real punky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, let's see. When they get to the uh, solo section, it's totally different. Yeah, that, that's one thing about this that really threw me off because you know I'm singing "Curse of the Pharaohs" along yeah, to it, yeah. <laughs> which it's already annoying me because the lyrics are different. But then, you know, I go to air guitar, the guitar solo, and I was like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did that a lot with this stuff. Uh, then it gets back to the Curse of the Pharaohs, but it's a much faster beat than the final version of the song. Um, yeah, it's cool. You know, you get to see where they where the the song came from. You know, next song. Sometimes you're deadly. <laughs> clever, clever title. Yeah. Another song that was never used, right? Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. yeah. Originally, when I was looking at the link, I, I not the link, the length. I thought maybe this is an early version of Satan's Fall, but it's mm. not. Yeah. Nope, not at all. Um, 
It actually kind of sounds like Black Sabbath a little bit when it starts out, because it kind of starts like slow and very doomy sound. Well, no, I was going to mention that. Not not only is it just slow and doomy sounding, but the riff is very similar in the rhythm line yeah. to Megalomania. Okay. Yeah, I hear it. Very interesting. It's it's kind of impossible not to. I'm not saying they ripped them off, but they definitely I'm did sure. a variation of that riff. <laughs> Uh, let's see. The chorus part was catchy. I like the chorus part. The chorus uh, part's catchy. Um, I re- I like the beginning of the song. Really, what ruins this is the jam part in the middle. Right. It's just it's too long. It's too loose, and it's too directionless. Yeah. Out of all the songs of the ones that didn't become Merciful Fate songs, I, I think I like this one the most. This one could have been worked on a little bit more, I think, and then they could have used it as something. It had it had some kind of a potential, a potential, especially with that chorus, because that I, chorus seemed very merciful fate-ish to me. I agree. I mean, I, I would still pick Combat Zone as my favorite of the three that never made it into anything else, but that would be my second pick. <laughs> uh, last but not least, Power of Darkness. And this one became Return, Return of the Vampire. Which is funny because now there's like three different versions, or there's like four different versions of like Return of the Vampire because there was so many different, I guess, variations of the song. Because you got the one that's on the Return of the Vampire album, mm-hmm. whatever that was from. Then you got this one, which was played way faster. Yeah, I honestly I like the way it's played faster. Really, I, yeah. so I don't like that. My I, favorite I think one it makes the song a little bit better, actually. Hmm. I don't think so. My favorite one, though, is um, In the Shadows, when Lars played on that one. Oh, that's the best one, because they actually, you know, finished it and did it for an album. Yeah, yeah, it's, it sounds like a complete song, whereas the all the other versions just sound like uh, a bunch of jumbled up parts together. It's kind of weird. But, well, this uh, one, I think, sounds a little bit more cohesive than the version that's actually on Return of the Vampire. You think so? Yeah. Uh, I think all the versions are kind of weird, except for that one. Uh, I can't remember what the Danger Zone version sounds like right now. But... See, I don't think you sent me that stuff. It's got... just two demos. I think you only sent me one. I don't know how to look. Because I just listened to it before. I didn't hear this. Yeah, yeah <clears throat> Death Kiss is on it. Uh, Return of the Vampire. Well, here, let's see. do, 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 do. And of course, my phone's in the way. <laughs> well, that's all right. But um, oh yes. no, okay, they didn't do uh, Return of the Vampire on either of those. I don't think so. But the um, one thing that was different is the the very simple drum beats on this song. There's there's no crazy drum stuff. It's even more simpler than the Lars version. Mm-hmm. It's just like straight. Mm-hmm. You know, he really doesn't do in- anything interesting on the drums no. the whole time. No, that, I'm glad that he did not move on to either, either Danger Zone or the Merciful Fate stuff. Well, me too, but honestly, I don't ever see that as having been an option. It clearly didn't fit with King okay. Hanks and Michael's vision at the time. And... No, not at all. Oh, the other thing, too, uh, the end of this song. Is really different. Uh, I actually think it's part of the solo for Curse of the Pharaohs, like the final version of Curse of the Pharaohs. Did you notice that? 
Yeah, at the very end, I did go back and listen to that. And, oh, that's right, going way back to Combat Zone. There's a section in the middle of Combat Zone because this is the one where I actually found something because it was driving me nuts. Part of that song is reused and at the sound of the demon bell. It's not the whole thing, but it's part of the midsection of the song before the solo starts. And I was Mm. like, okay, yes, that's where that came from. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you found something. But uh, all in all, it's it's a cool demo. You know, it's a cool band practice. I really like to hear how these songs took shape over time and... um, and and to see what they became was you know it's it's you know way better they, you know they got the songs down and the better lyrics that fit the music and yeah you know more uh, better um, musicians to play the parts and yeah. stuff like that you know Michael Denner came back and you got Kim Rose and then you got Timmy Hansen playing the bass and everything so mm-hmm. with all that together and King with the new lyrics and it just made made the songs way better but it's cool to hear the beginnings of those songs. Yep, and on top of that, how much they all progressed from just where they were a right. year or two years before. Yeah, yeah, very quick, uh, quick pace of time. Because he like he was in, he was in uh, Black Rose, then he was doing this, and then he's the, which will be next uh, Danger Zone, and then right at the Danger Zone's Merciful Fate. So, yep, really cool what uh, what they got to do in so, such a short span of time. Yeah, so, it really is. Yeah. But uh, now we will go over to Michael Denner with his uh, first part. He will be talking. Um, he wasn't obviously like, like we talked earlier. He wasn't in this version of uh, the Brats, but he was in the the first version. So he will be talking about that. And then um, I believe we talk about a little bit of Danger Zone, which we'll do next episode. And then after that, we get into the beginnings of what we've re- been really trying to get to is Merciful Fate. Yes. <laughs> Stuff that we know. <laughs> That's <heart>. right. <laughs> and then I'll be super excited to talk about Merciful Fate and King Diamond for a few weeks, and then that might be the last word I say on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. I'm just kidding. All right. All right. So watch Michael Denner, and we will be back next week. Yep. Bye. Enjoy. Welcome to Rat Salad Review, and today we have special guest Michael Denner on. And uh, yeah, sorry we don't have him on video. (laughs) Maybe you gotta get Skype. (laughs) I I, I gotta get Skype. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a computer person, you know. So um, so it's a bit odd, you know, to not to to be able to do Skype because most people do, does these days. You know, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how it works for now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's okay. At least we have you, some way or another, right? Great, man. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. So um, actually, I'll let, we're going to start off with like um, like the beginnings, like before Merciful Fate, like uh, Danger Zone and the Brats. Yeah. And um, Greg knows a lot more about that than I do, so I'm okay. going to let him. I'm going to let him take over yeah. this part for a little while. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know a t- a tons of the ins and outs of it, but um, I used to have uh, 1980 on uh, vinyl with my dad, yeah. and uh, loved it. Great, great album, real uh, real punky and all that. Did, yeah, it was a mix of of of, of uh, metal and punk, and uh, actually the first uh, album with heavy metal on uh, from Denmark. So. 
So there's you have some kind of kind of history over here, and a, a lot of people, you know, you know, love it because it but it was the first of it. It's kind, you know. So. Oh yeah, I um I like it. It's got a real great feel to it, and it's real fresh like that too. Uh, you can tell you guys are uh, real hungry on it, and it's, uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, it sounds groundbreaking to me too in a way because it's funny. I was watching uh, the decline of Western civilization part one the uh, other night, and I'm like, man, everybody's always on about the germs. They need to hear the Bratz record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, the, yeah, like, like I said, I, I I love the energy of it, and uh, you you can clearly uh, feel the you know the, the hunger for for young musicians, uh, their first album, you know, uh, with with um, with the purpose, you know, they want we all wanted this more than anything in the world, you know, to be able to to break big, you know, and and but it was not very very well received by the critics in Denmark because at that point there was a lot of uh, you know uh, folk musicians or, or straight pop uh, song in Danish, mm-hmm. so we came there with our leather jackets and attitude, you know, and uh, they, uh, a lot of the the old guys uh, who, who wrote in the papers said these guys, you know, they're too big headed, you know, who are they, you know, and so, and so on. So it uh, it was it was quite difficult to get good press or, or, or go in on radio or TV over here at that point, you know. Um, I I noticed that looking up uh, some vintage reviews for uh, the record, you know, they really don't talk about the music at all. They just seem really pissed off that it's not sung in Danish. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that that makes us even more eager to uh, to prove them wrong, you know. And uh, when we, uh, one of the last interviews we did, we say uh, within three years we would be number one in U.S. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, it, it was, they, they, yeah, of course, these uh, journalists, they were laughing at us, you know, but uh, three years later we were on a playlist all over U.S. with, uh, with Merciful Fate, you know, the radio shows, the independent shows. Uh, oh, yes. They were number one on their playlist, so somehow it was <laughs> it was uh, the right prediction, you know, to <laughs> to say oh, we're yeah. number one in U.S. in three years. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, hell, you guys were even on the the, uh, the BBC Friday Rock Show. Oh yeah, with Tommy Vance, that was a big break for us, you know, uh, and finally meet a meet a guy who understood what what it was all about, you know. Uh, so that helped us a lot to to uh, to to do that show that was that was very important and i recall we uh, when we um, we went over uh, london and bbc studios and we had uh, a few hours to uh, to do the recordings with this guy uh, tony wilson i believe his name was tony wilson and uh, we were i mean we were quite young you know and it was like um, it was a bit scary you know to go in this legendary studio with this legendary producer and, uh, and and play, you know, but uh, we were quite uh, well prepared. And I still, I still believe to this day that it's some very interesting recordings we did uh, on the BBC sessions. Very strong. Believe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I believe so, too. That's actually, uh, that's my favorite version of uh, Satan's Fall. The, uh, yeah, the it's a brilliant version. <laughs> <Yes>. Very heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yeah. 
Uh, one of my favorites, uh, real, real, uh, it fits in with the uh, new wave of British heavy metal feel, too. Sure, it sure did. <laughs> and it was, uh, it made us very proud to be able to go on these lists, you know, in Kerrang! and so on, uh, you know, on, uh, on, on, on the journalist uh, favorites, you know, go, go on these lists as uh, young young guys from uh, from Denmark, you know, Copenhagen. Uh, yeah. uh, there were <laughs> there were not much happening there at that point uh, over at, at where we came from, you know. Oh, so yeah. it was a big big step uh, to be to be able to to play uh, UK or uh, Holland, uh, Belgium, Germany, and 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 finally be able to go to 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 US and Canada to play. Uh, it was like uh, it was it was like unreal, you know, for us just to yeah stand and play for for big audiences uh, outside our own country, you know. That was uh, that was a big break for us. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, well, well deserved too. Because, mm, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, merciful fate. You guys were uh, game changing, and uh, that. One of my favorite things about listening to the old recordings, even though the quality isn't that good, but it's, uh, it's real cool to hear them evolve from Bratz or Danger Zone songs into the final form. Yeah, exactly. It was like uh, there was a lot of things, uh, that, a lot of small things ma made it the big thing. You know? <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, luck and, uh, and, and good fortune, you know. This guy came from this place and uh, that guy came from that. I mean, uh, and also the change of the, uh, of the music style, uh, <clears throat> which, uh, ever, uh, you know, ever to, into Merciful Fate. It was a lot of, of, of different things happening, you know. And, and finally, we got the formula, uh, which still to this day is uh, some of my all-time all favorite music, <laughs> even though I'm a part of it. I mean, I, I, you, can say, you can say I'm a, I'm a big fan of what I did. Great <laughs> with my full feet. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, still to this day, Melissa, don't break the over, so I listen to it, and I'm still, wow. <laughs> it's so good what we did, you know. Oh, Groundbreaking. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way it was. Um, the, the first time I ever actually heard Merciful Fate was um, I had bought this guy's collection. This was in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s when I was mm -hmm. coming, going through high school and all that. So nobody cared about metal right then. But um, no. he had been a DJ and he had all these high quality DK90 tapes of all this stuff. And uh, yeah, the yeah. one was the Merciful Fate EP with the BBC session on the other side. Oh yeah, the one that they called the uh, the beginning. I think it was called yeah the album version. Doomed uh, by the Living Dead changed my life. <laughs> I mean that, that, that song is just it, it's insane. There's so many parts and it's so heavy, but it's so intricate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and and, and it took as you can imagine, it took a while to get these uh, all these songs with all these riffings under under your belt, so you were able to play them without mistakes. And <laughs> I mean, we spent hours and hours and hours practicing, rehearsing. You know, every day we uh, we we went to the rehearsing room. Uh, it was only I believe it was on Saturday or Sunday we had off. Every day we were we worked in the in in the rehearsing room. Uh, the rest of the bands, the local bands here in Copenhagen, they they practice once a week or something, and we're now for beers. 
We we stayed in that. We're actually rule five. We fucking pay. You know, just so we practice, practice, practice. You know, it was only if you you were attending a funeral or a round birthday or a wedding you were able to cancel a, a rehearsing uh, evening. You know, wow. so it, it was so serious. But uh, but the the fruit of it came, you know, because we were able to outplay most of of any mm. band in the area, you know, because we were it was so tight, you know, and so complex uh, the music we we did together, you know. Yeah. Mm. Oh yes. Well, a lot lot different from uh, today's bands. A lot of bands don't even um, record together anymore. No, they don't. And it's, it, of course, it, it can, like with my new album, you know, um, I work very, very closely with the, with the rhythm section uh, on all the recordings and, uh, mm-hmm. and so on here in Copenhagen because they are my, they're local people. Okay. But um, I, was, uh, I was short of a singer. You know, I needed a singer and I found one in, uh, in New York. So for, for, the, for that reason, we, he recorded it in New Jersey and we recorded everything else here in Copenhagen, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> because, not to make it too expensive, you know, uh, yeah, the travel yeah, expenses yeah. and so on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it worked. It worked. Yeah. Mm. And nobody wants to go to New Jersey. <laughs> I, like, I like New Jersey, man. I've been saying, yeah, but I mean, there's so many like great places in in, in the US, you know, because we stayed there, rehearsing rooms, you know, we had uh, recordings in in Texas, you know, and so um, I spent, uh, I believe, I spent one and a half year in total in in US working, always working, mm. never on a vacation, <laughs> oh, just wow. doing. Doing, do, yeah, doing playing and and, and things. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually from New Jersey, so. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> cool. But, uh, yeah. Jersey's got two of my favorite music stores, so it's all right. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, do you spend all that time in the U.S. Uh, on the road, or are you recording and mixing? Yeah, we did. Uh, we did the reunion recordings at Dallas Dallas Sound Lab. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, in the shadows, time, and uh, into the unknown. I didn't. I didn't play on the last two albums, but I. I, right. I, I do think they 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 did the recordings there. With, I, I'm not quite sure where, where they recorded the last two two albums. Okay. So, but we we did the the, the, the three albums I'm on. We did it in the Dallas Sound Lab. Okay. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we had a, we had a lot of time there, you know. Uh, we did some apartments, you know, to, to prepare for the album and and to have a place to stay, you know, mm-hmm. during these sessions. Okay. And I, I recall that when we did, uh, I believe, in the shadows, they told me on this spot over there, uh, Stevie Warren, he played some of his more, most legendary solos. So I I went over at that spot and, and played some of my solos for, uh, from the In the Shadows album. At the exact same, uh, the exact same spot as uh, Stevie Wonder, <laughs> uh-huh. just yeah, just to get some of his spirit uh, down. You know? <laughs> was, yeah, I mean, why, why not? <laughs> yeah, it worked. But uh, it Greg, worked. Uh, Greg had a question about um, some one of the earlier uh, songs. Well, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, one thing I was really curious about is I always heard a rumor that you guys recorded a cover of uh, Zeppelin's "The Immigrant Song" for Melissa. <laughs> But you ended oh, yeah. up not releasing it. We uh, we did a recording of uh, immigrant song. Uh, oh. I, be, I I believe it was from the on the, the in the don't break the oath sessions. 
Oh, yeah. don't break the oath. Yeah, okay. but uh, uh, as a huge uh, Led Zeppelin fan, uh, both me and King are, are, are big Zeppelin fans, and yeah. we, it, it didn't. I mean, the swing wasn't there. It was, it was not working. You know, it, of course, King could do the high pitching and uh, you know, mm. and, uh, and 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 make it sound heavy, but it mm. didn't. It, it didn't work. It, I, it, I mean, to to do. I mean, don't don't call me that song. <laughs> but we gave it a try, but it didn't work. It didn't work. So, but I would love okay. to hear uh, the the tape, just to hear to hear it one more time. Oh, so, you know, so there is I think it was of... erased. <laughs> it was erased. Oh, I mean, okay. yeah, just just to make sure that no no one found it and and, and released it on a bootleg or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's, funny. That, that's yeah. a shame, but uh, that, that's interesting. Yeah, I was always curious yeah. about that, but uh, yeah. I I can see why it would be left off. You know, Melissa has a very specific feel to it. Yeah, exactly. I, um, I mean that that album wrote itself, you know, because we we had songs for two albums, so yeah. we took the best of the best and 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 used it for Melissa. But there were so many, many, many great songs left left out. So uh, half of uh, "Don't Break the Oath" is uh, leftovers from Melissa, actually. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. But then again, it was so. Uh, I mean, the working, the working phase. You know, it, uh, it was so easy for us to write songs and and arrange songs. You know, and the harmony pieces and all kinds of stuff because we were so. We were so much together, you know, as, as also in, as friends, you know, everything was about that band, you know, Any, oh, everything. Oh. I mean, girlfriends and stuff was second, you know, that was on, on another shelf. The <laughs> most important things in, in the world was Merciful Fates. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that was our five people's uh, life. 